Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. Cool. Awesome. Uh, For me, as I think about Palm Sunday, we see this picture of Jesus and his public ministry for several years. And he's coming into the city, and it's this picture of Jesus pressing in. He's already prophesied to his disciples that uh, his death is imminent. He knows that pressing in, in this moment, in this season, entering into the city, is going to mean some difficult things for him. But he still chooses to press in. And that's what I want us to press into today, this idea of pressing in. I think Palm Sunday, as Jesus enters into the city, is a beautiful example of this idea, this attitude that even when things are going to be difficult, we're going to press in. And so let's look at this today. Like Jesus presses into us, let us reveal God's heart and the wonder of withness. So this hyphenated word that maybe isn't actually a word is what we're kind of centering ourselves on today, this idea of withness, God with us and us with God and us with one another and God among us as a people. And so I want us to pause right here before we get going, before I say a lot of words, and I just want us to experience withness for a moment with God. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes I just want you to think about this word withness, God with you, us with one another, God with us together. I want you to explore that for a moment in your own life, in your own heart, in your own mind. What is it like for God to be with you? Do you feel like God is with you? And the second half of this idea that we represent the character of God in our withness with one another. How have you experienced the character of God through the people in your life? God, we pray for peace in this place today. We pray for goodness and hope and kindness. That those things would be manifested as you are with us. That as your presence permeates this place and we acknowledge your withness here in our lives that we would acknowledge and experience the fruit of you being with us. Thank you, God. Amen. And so we're looking at these two halves today. 
Like Jesus presses into us, Jesus enters into the city. He's with the people literally there in that place. But in his act of pressing in, pressing into what he know will ultimately lead to his death, his sacrifice, he's actually also in this story today as we read it, pressing into us because of what will come as a result of his decision to decide in. So we're looking at that first half of Jesus pressing into us and then how that affects us on a regular basis, that we would reveal God's heart to one another in our withness together. I was thinking about this this week, the question I just asked you, how have you experienced God's presence in his attributes through others' willingness to be with you in the course of your life? I was thinking about my friend Joel this morning, um, who has just played a huge role in my life, and a couple years ago, I was going through a season of a lot of anxiety. And I just have this very vivid memory of us driving on I-4. Traffic was actually moving. And we were kind of trucking along. We were actually at the time, I think, near Universal, like the Sand Lake Road exit. And in that moment, in this time of anxiety in my life and the conversation that Joel and I were having, I just came to this realization of like, there's peace in this moment as I spend time with my friend. And God revealed himself through Joel in that moment in the manifestation of peace. I've talked a lot about my friend Landon and how his wisdom has been exemplified to me as the presence of God, the presence of God's wisdom in the way that he's helped me navigate life and move through some ups and downs and some difficult things. And I know that all of us in this room today have those moments where we, in our decision to be with one another, in others' decision to be with us, have experienced the characteristics and attributes of God as we've chosen into one another. And Jesus did know that pain was ahead for him as he entered into Jerusalem. He had prophesied his death three times to his disciples. And so we see that in the face of certain pain, Jesus presses in and shows us the divine nature of sacrificial love. And as we go through this idea today and the story of Jesus coming into the city, we're going to look at how God revealed himself and his character and his nature through the decision of Jesus to choose in. And in this decision to choose in, in the face of certain pain, we see the characteristic of God, the manifestation of God's heart of sacrificial love. We've been asking this question since the beginning of 2019, what is God like And so often Ryan has talked to us about when we ask the question, what is God like? We look to the person of Jesus. And once again, we look to the person of Jesus and we see Jesus pressing in in the face of certain pain. And it reminds us of the heart of God for us as we ask the question, what is God like? And we see this beautiful picture of sacrificial love. And even in the journey toward Jerusalem, we see that Jesus is with people. He has chosen in to people. And that has been the message of his entire ministry over and over again. So we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 20. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them 
what do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. And so this reminds us of the withness of Jesus throughout his entire ministry, his time with his disciples, his time with the masses, his time with those in need. We see Jesus taking time for people. And even as he has begun this journey toward Jerusalem, toward the city, he pauses a moment. And I have this question for us today. Jesus could be bothered. Can we Are we aware of the humanity of the people around us? Are we aware of our opportunity that as we choose into those around us, we have the opportunity to embody the nature and character of God, whether that's someone that we know or someone that we don't know or a stranger like Jesus came upon in this moment. Jesus could be bothered. Withness was part of, in fact, maybe the centerpiece of the ministry of Jesus, that he would take time to connect. And in connecting, he embodied and revealed the truth of God's character and heart. I recently had this bizarre experience. Um, I was in a line at Chipotle, and I, um, I, you know, they were giving me my brown rice and my black beans and my extra fajita veggies and double chicken and, you know, all the things that I get. And, you know, I'm walking down the line and I'm, I'm watching these people, like, kind of scoop the food into the bowl and there's a very brief interaction. And in the moment, I'm like, man, I feel like most of the time when I come in here, I don't even consider, like, the humanity of the people on the other side of this. Like they're there to do a job and I'm there to get my food and we have these brief interactions and it's so easy and it's almost as if like in my mind and in my heart it's no different than that person just being a machine. And it was like, no, like we have the opportunity in every moment, no matter how brief, to reflect withness and to see the humanity of the person that is standing there in front of us. And in seeing that person's humanity and in being conscious of our opportunity to embody the heart of God for them, every moment is an opportunity. And we see that in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus could be bothered. And can we? And sometimes it's inconvenient. And sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's painful. And what we see for Jesus is that ultimately it leads to his death. But Jesus continued to choose in. And then we see as we continue through this story, so many glimpses of the closeness of Jesus, of his decision to be close and to choose in. Even the donkey that he's riding on is low to the ground. It's a short, stumpy little donkey. Matthew 21, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. And so we see this even humble animal that Jesus chooses to come into the city on and how stark a contrast it is to the coming of the emperor into the city into the city that very day 
There was a tradition that the emperor would also arrive into the city during Passover. And the emperor would enter in from the west gate. And Jesus, in contrast, this day entered in from the east gate. The emperor would ride high on the back of a tall and mighty horse. And Jesus was low to the ground on a nursing donkey. The emperor would come in surrounded by opulence and wealth. And that day Jesus was surrounded by people who were simple and people who were poor. And the emperor is surrounded by military might and battalions of soldiers leading him into the city. And Jesus is surrounded by the lowly and the powerless. And we see this in our own lives and we see this in culture around us. The need to raise ourselves up above other people in order to exemplify or demonstrate our power or our might and reign over others. And in Jesus coming into Jerusalem that day, he chooses to embody for us the heart of humility and simplicity to be with others us. It's not, about, uh, it's not about being above and separate. It's about being lowly and with, and Jesus shows us that. And I wonder if we consider that in our own lives, in the way that we see the emperor riding in tall and separated, in the way we see Jesus entering in lowly and with and in our insecurities, we jockey for position, we fight for power, we flaunt our might. But the way of Jesus is a, is a gentle strength born out of confidence. And I wonder how often that happens for us. We feel like we have to exemplify our might or prove to others or jockey for position or fight for power or flaunt who we are. But the way of Jesus is a gentle strength born out of confidence. Because those insecurities are revealed in our need to prove to others. When we feel like we need to prove to others, probably the best question we can ask is, why am I separating myself from these people? Why am I insecure? Why am I questioning who I am? And in my separation, what am I trying to do to exert power in that separation. But Jesus comes in low and close to the people that day. And I think the reason he's able to do that is because he knows who he is. He knows whose he is. He knows that he is with God and that God is with him. Jesus knew himself and that freed him from the need to prove anything Jesus' confidence in his identity wasn't contingent upon others' willingness to affirm it. People are constantly questioning Jesus. Who are you? By what authority do you do the things that you do? Who do you think you are? And if Jesus was afraid of those questions, and if Jesus needed the approval of all of those people, he would have been working really hard to make sure he had a tall and mighty horse and really nice clothes and a lot of powerful and important people around him to tell him that he was awesome. But Jesus, knowing who he was, had the strength and confidence and ability 
that allowed him to connect with people no matter who they were. Withness, our ability to be with one another, is contingent upon our willingness and ability to know who we are and to allow God to continually reveal those truths to us. This, this confidence was the root of Jesus' ability to love others with abandon and to reach out to the lowly when no one else would. And I wonder how many opportunities we miss on a regular basis because we're so insecure. How many opportunities we miss out on to connect and love and reveal the true heart of God to the people around us because we're afraid of what they might think. Or we're paralyzed because we just don't know how to start the conversation. Or whatever it might be. How often do we miss out on revealing the heart of God because we are reluctant to be with. I was having a conversation with uh, actually my friend Joel that I mentioned before and our other friend Jesse uh, when we were in Argentina together. So we had um, ended up meeting these two Australian guys uh, who were brothers and we were trekking through Patagonia and we spent two days with them and just kind of hung out. And um, later at our, um, at our hotel where we were staying, Joel and Jesse and I started having this conversation about shyness or outgoingness. Like how reserved are we or how willing are we to open ourselves up and connect with the people around us? And I said, well, I think I, as a human, like I'm pretty reserved when it comes to like stepping outside of myself and, and connecting with other people, especially people I don't know and environments that aren't familiar with me. And Joel's like, wait, that's crazy. Like you just connected with these two people and we spent two days with them and that was all because like you reached out. And I was like, yeah, well, we've also traveled to like a dozen other countries together and that's probably the one example that you can give where I actually did that. And like we connected with them and we had a wonderful time and we had some great conversation and like we all became friends on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And now they're like, there's these people around the world that we can continue relationship with. And I think about like how many times I've been in a place where because of my own fears and my own insecurities, I stayed insular and I missed out on the opportunity to connect and love well because I was afraid. And what I love about this picture of Jesus is that he didn't need to prove anything to anybody that day. And because of that, it gave him the opportunity to connect with the people around him. Continuing on, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. 
And look at all the people that Jesus is connecting with. Look at the withness of Jesus as he turns over the, the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He's fighting for and advocating for the poor who are being exploited in this environment. The blind come to him. The lame come to him. The children are shouting praise in the temple courts. And these people who always exert their power, the religious leaders, by staying separated from all of these people, they're now rallying behind Jesus and it becomes a threat to them. Jesus was with the poor and the lame and the blind and the children that day and it meant something powerful. And I think what we see in Jesus is this, let us align with Jesus in rejecting power over and championing power with How is our withness embodying the character of God, which is I am with you and empowering you to be my presence on the face of the earth? God is certainly over us, but what we see in Jesus is the heart of God to be with us. Not saying I'm going to do everything for you and you are powerless humans. But no, saying, I created you because I wanted to be with you. And in creating you and in wanting to be with you, I'm inviting you to co-labor alongside of me as together we make earth look more like heaven. God's heartbeat and the character of God that we see revealed in Jesus in this moment is that God is empowering us. He is empowered with us, not empowered just over us. He is coming alongside of us and allowing us the opportunity to co-labor with him as he accomplishes his mission on the face of the planet. And Jesus pursued the people in Jerusalem that day. And Jesus pursued you and me and the actions that are about to come and the sacrifice of the cross. And in all of these things, we see that Jesus' pursuit of us is the embodiment of the heart of God. As Jesus pursues us, he demonstrates to us forgiveness. He demonstrates to us sacrificial love. He demonstrates to us care. He demonstrates to us compassion. He demonstrates to us kindness. And all of these things embodied in the pursuit of Jesus for us reveal to us the truth of the heart of God. That's a look at Jesus. I want us to take a moment to shift our attention to another character, Peter. And as we think about this idea of withness, Jesus pursued the people, Jesus pursued the poor, the weak, the lonely, Jesus pursued us. Let's look at the actions of Peter who we know ends up betraying and denying Jesus. Jesus tells Peter that Peter will deny him three times and Peter's response to Jesus is indignant. Matthew 26, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Well, a short time later, Jesus is arrested in Matthew chapter 26. The very last piece of this story, the very last sentence after Jesus is arrested says this. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. 
And again, we see the withness, the pursuit of Jesus. And in this moment, Peter and all of the other disciples betray the withness and turn instead to abandonment. And, and Peter goes throughout the village that night, and we see this. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he, didn't, he denied it before them all. I don't know what you are talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. When we are frightened, do we run away because of our cowardice? Or do we manifest divine strength and press in? We were talking about this on Thursday and Ryan just had some great insight like, fear is always present regardless of your decision. So brave people, people who choose in and exemplify divine strength, it doesn't mean that fear goes away. It means they make a choice to press in even when fear exists. And the same is true. It's not that we are fearful if we run away. It's that we are cowards if we run away. It means that we have seen fear and made a choice to run away and God is calling us to manifest divine strength in pressing in. And so what do we do when we are frightened? Do we run like Peter ran, like all the disciples ran? Or do we press in like Jesus? I'm afraid isn't a good excuse because we're all afraid. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to not know. It's okay to not know what's next or where we're going or what's happening. It's okay. And so what will we do? Will we run or will we press in? This story continues. Peter has denied Jesus three times. And then immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I think it's one of the like, most moving moments in scripture. Peter goes outside and he weeps bitterly. He weeps because his world is falling apart. Everything he's devoted his life to is unraveling. Everything that he thought was going to happen isn't happening. He weeps because he's alone. He's run away from the, the friend that he had in Jesus. He's run away from the 12 disciples. He's wandering a dark city by himself and being confronted by strangers. He weeps because he's betrayed one of his best friends. And what do we see in Peter? We see this man who had run away, and in his tears, I think we see 
a change of heart that chooses back into withness. And that is why for me, this is one of the most powerful moments in scripture is because we have this man who ran away and betrayed, but in his tears, there is contrition, there is humility, and there is a desire for withness. Peter runs away, but his weeping is a sign that he's coming home. He's coming back. He's pursuing withness. And again, in withness, in the pursuit, we see more of the embodiment of the character of God. Redemption and reconciliation are embodied in the passionate pursuit of withness. Again, we see more characteristics of God and our desire, and our willingness to be with. In Jesus' pursuit of us, it is revealed that there is redemption and reconciliation. And in our reciprocation of that, it is revealed again, redemption and reconciliation when we choose into that. And then the trial happens of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus that we'll be looking at and thinking through and pondering on this week And I'm going to skip ahead kind of over that into John chapter 21 after the resurrection. Jesus appears to uh, some of the disciples who are out fishing. And they had been fishing and it hadn't been going well. And there was this man that they didn't know was Jesus who was standing on the shore quite a distance away. And he shouts, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. So they throw the nets on the other side of the boat. They start hauling it in. And then that's when Peter realizes the person who's standing on the shore is Jesus. And it says this, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And I love this moment. We see Peter, who's gone through this journey of being close to Jesus, and then swearing to Jesus that he will never betray him, and then betraying him three times. And then when he hears that rooster crow, there's this moment of contrition, and he begins to weep. And he said, this is not my heart for my friend. This is not my heart for Jesus. This is not the heart of God for us. And so when Peter encounters Jesus in this moment after the resurrection, something wells up inside of Peter that causes him to just jump in the water and swim with passionate pursuit back to the one he loves. The heart of God is revealed in our joyful pursuit of those we love. Isn't there something special when we go to pick somebody up from the airport who's been gone for six months or a year, and that thing that happens inside of us, remembering our love for that person and getting to see them for the first time again? There's something divine in that kind of care, in that kind of love, and in that kind of witness. The heart of God is revealed in our willingness to accept and reciprocate forgiveness. Jesus is offering forgiveness in his invitation to Peter. Peter is responding to that forgiveness in his desire to jump in the water and swim back to Jesus. And there's this reciprocal forgiveness that embodies, again, yet another aspect of the heart of God. This last passage we'll read here 
is the conversation that happens between Peter and Jesus after this moment, after they shared a meal together. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, a second time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all, Jesus, what, uh, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all, Jesus said, feed my, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And there's this beautiful moment that mirrors Peter's denial. You know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. You were with him. I wasn't with him. Your accent gives you away. Curse you. I don't know who that person is. And here we see in this moment shared between Jesus and Peter. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. A second time, do you love me? You know I love you. A third time, do you love me? You know I love you. And in this conversation and in Peter's willingness to reciprocate forgiveness, we see the divine nature of who God is and we see the character of God revealed both in Jesus and in Peter in the same way that we have the opportunity to do that with our withness. Peter and Jesus were with one another up and down and through and thick and thin. They were with one another. And the last character I want us to look at is Judas. Because I think Judas and Peter did the same thing. They both betrayed this person they said they loved. But Peter, on the back end of it, chose into witness. And Judas ran away and chose to isolate himself and to be separate from. Judas and Peter both betrayed Jesus. The only difference, Judas ran away afterward and Peter chose into witness. And there's something powerful, there's something divine about our willingness to reveal the character and heart of God and our choosing in and our withness and all of it simply mirrors what we see in the life of Jesus as he chooses in as he pursues us as he champions withness so too can we like Jesus presses into us, let us reveal God's heart in the humility and wonder of witness. Let's stand together. Let's just leave some space here again to reflect for a moment. on this idea of withness. How Jesus demonstrates to us 
sacrificial love, redemption, reconciliation, grace, joy, hope, peace, and his choice to be with us. One of the last promises he makes, I will be with you to the very end of the age. An enduring withness. Where do you need it? Where are you revealing it? How have you experienced it? Jesus ran into the city even when he knew it was going to be painful. It's crazy. It's crazy. But he knew how much good there was on the other side of it. much to be gained. To not embrace the power and wonder of witness. God be with us. God show up in 150 different ways right now. Make your witness personal. Meet us and be with us exactly as you know we need right now. Encounter us. Be with us. Whatever you need from him today, allow him to be with you that way right now. He's running in. He's pressing in. us, encourage us, bring joy and hope, God. Repair us, heal us, encourage us. You just allow him to continue to be with you and to think about witness in your own life. As we sing these songs together.
this has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.